I wanted to jump in very quickly before you enjoy the edition of 15 Minutes with a Mentor to tell you about the newsletter that we recently launched at Recruitment Mentors a few weeks ago. It's called Limitless Learning and the whole premise and and, and purpose of it is to directly send you practical advice, tips and tactics directly into your inbox that can help you improve as a recruiter. The feedback so far from the three editions that we've released have been fantastic. For example, the last edition was on five questions you can ask on a business development call and why. And I want to tell you about it so you can join it. You can subscribe completely free. You can go to recruitmentmentors.com forward slash limitless hyphen learning. That's recruitmentmentors.com forward slash limitless learning or you can go on recruitmentmentors.com and you'll get hit with one of those pop-up messages where you can sign up but i want to tell you about it if you're here to learn and develop then why not get direct tips and advice directly into your inbox so sign up and join the thousands of other recruiters that are already signed up that are motivated to be better than yesterday enjoy the episode Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. We're back with another edition of the 15 Minutes with a Mentor series, where we interview some of the brilliant mentors we've onboarded and welcome to the Recruitment Mentors community platform. And in this series, really simply, we're going to ask some of the mentors seven questions in 15 minutes to find out things like how they've overcome some of their biggest challenges to what's been the most successful method for them to continue to win business. I'm really excited to be joined by Liz today, but before I ask Liz the first question, Liz, if you could introduce yourself for those that may not know who you are, and then we'll we'll get into it. Yep. Uh, so I'm Liz Neidhart. Um, I own Cressida Consulting, which is a company that I set up earlier in the year. We build technical teams for the engineering and automation sector. Um, prior to um, starting my own business, I worked for the S3 Group for 16 years. So I joined in 2004, the year before they floated. Um, I built Huxley Engineering in Manchester for about 10 years on the permanent side. And then I went on to work for two other brands within the group um, on the contract side as well. Amazing. I'm excited to get your answers on these questions, Liz. So the first one <laughs> okay. is, um, so what, what's been your biggest challenge so far this year and, and how have you overcome it? Um, okay, so I'd say the obvious one is incorporating my company over Christmas and then a couple of days into the new year having to homeschool three kids. So that was that was fun. Um, but aside from that, I think the biggest challenge for me, honestly, is that I haven't been a hands-on recruiter for over 10 years. Mm. You know, I've been managing teams for a long, long time and, you know, it's just having to go back to being hands-on when so much has kind of changed. So, um, yeah, I'd say that's been the biggest challenge for me, really. And then I guess on that, how what's helped you really get to grips with being back on the tools out of interest? I think, um, I think it's recognising what's changed and what's stayed the same. So I think in some ways there's been drastic changes because when I, I'm going to sound really old now, but when I was 
a hands-on recruiter. There was no LinkedIn. There was no social media. <laughs> it was just um, selling in over the phone and um, speaking to people by email. Um, and I think now I've realized that, you know, you've got to build a personal brand and it was getting my head around that. And I've still not overcome that challenge fully yet, but I'm learning and I've joined two communities, the recruitment mentors being one, required being the other. And I'm just surrounding myself by people who can bring me up to date with the latest trends and, you know, technologies. Um, but then some things never change. And I think the power of relationships never change. So mm. I have just, I just prioritize investing in really good relationships with my candidates. Um, and then that'll, that will pay dividends. If I look after them, they look out for me. Yeah, no, I really like the way that you articulated that sort of recognizing what's changed and, and what, what hasn't. Um, so I'm sure you would have seen plenty of these LinkedIn polls. We've been polled to death with it around the sort of flexible working piece, but I think Everyone, everyone wants people's opinions on this, right? So I think recruiters are very well positioned from the markets that they serve to have a sort of interesting lens on, on this topic. So the second question I have for you is, like, how, how do you see the future of work? Is it fully remote? Is it hybrid? Is it back to the office or a combination of all of them? And, and why? So you can talk about from the communities that you're speaking to, but also from the lens that you, the market that you support, the conversations you're having but. What's the future of work from your point of view and why? Yeah, I, th I think you've touched on on something there. The, the the crucial bit there was it depends on the industry. So mm. working in engineering, there's going to be times where you have to be in the office, you have to be in a factory, you have to be on site to watch a build. You know, that's never going to change. But what I am finding in that, what I'm finding is that companies that are going back to their pre-pandemic ways are going to be missing out. I can mm. see candidates already looking to move on because they've got used to working from home a lot more. They don't see the need to go back in five days a week. And now they're getting an inkling that these companies are going to, um, you know, these companies are going to go back to their old ways. They're like, well, I, I don't want that anymore. We've moved on. So I definitely think in engineering, at least, that it's going to be a combination and I think if you can offer as much flexibility as possible whilst having the understanding that when you need to be in the office, you need to be there. I think those are the companies that are going to get the best candidates. But it's opened up so many possibilities for companies. You know, previously a candidate might have been too far away, but now they now they can work for them remotely. So it's it's amazing. It's transformed the industry really. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then my my next question is what so far since starting your business what what's been the most effective way for you to to win business so far this year um the most effective way of winning business well it's it's repeat business but how i get that business in the first place is it's it, i let the candidates speak for themselves it's the strength of my candidates that gets business so i invest heavily in building up really solid relationships with you know exceptional candidates that i've headhunted I then approach companies either over the phone saying, look, you know, I've got a candidate that I'd like to talk to you about um, or I'll do it by email either way. But that's that's how I do it. The, the candidate skills, it's the strength of the candidate skill set that gets me through the door. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I love re relationships has come up a lot when, when we've asked that question. So it's interesting that you mentioned that as well. Um, so what I'd really like to hear from you uh, Liz is basically I, I love asking this question so I I want to cast you back to 2004 and I want 
to ask you what if you could speak to to Liz two thousand in two thousand and four, like you're disembarking on your career recruitment, a career that you're gonna end up yeah, I guess go towards working in for twenty years of your life. Like what 17, advice you, Hisham, no, I, I said going on to, I said going on to, going on to <laughs> almost. <laughs> but um what what advice would you give Liz if you could speak to her back then, do you think? Yeah, I got do you know what? I got this asked this recently actually and um the biggest well there's two things the first one the biggest one for me is to ask for help um mm. I think as a 21 year old in recruitment I saw um I saw it as a vulnerability and I had all these amazing people around me ready to give me their pearls of wisdom and I was like oh but if I ask this what if they think I'm you know I can't do it and actually once I got over that and started asking for help and listening to people and asking you know you're good at this. How'd you do it? Listening to calls. That's when it really clicked for me. So that is the biggest thing for me is to ask for help. And I think second of all, if you're new to an industry or you're new to recruitment, like don't worry if you're not an expert in your field, just like let the candidates do the talking. So take it away from yourself. And when you are speaking to potential customers about candidates just talk about the candidate talk about the personality talk about what they can bring you don't have to know anything beyond that so yeah yeah, that's the that's the second bit I would say no I love that so my next question is a bit more um less serious so I want to hear from you what's the funniest or strangest candidate excuse you've heard so far in your career (laughs) (laughs) what comes Um, up oh dear um do you know I think engineers I have to say are just straight up they will say it how it is and if they don't want an interview or they don't want the job they will tell you having said that um (laughs) I have had seen colleagues kind of with their heads in their hands over the years um and we've had everything from like you know a house burning down to um I can't go to a first stage interview because I might be pregnant. That was another one. <laughs> Love that. I just, I just think there's just always funny stories in there. But yeah. um, the the next the next question I have is it's just a bit more of a scenario, basically. And and what I'd love to just hear from you is how you would approach this scenario, which is a common scenario that recruiters will find themselves in. So the scenario is particular business that you've been trying to get in with for some time. They're a great brand. You're confident you can help them. Um, finally buy it. it might be for you specking out um, a CV trying to speak to them about a candidate but the relevant person that you need to speak to uh, reaches out and you get a call booked in so that call is going really well you're building rapport but when it gets to crunch time they say look Liz it's, it's been great speaking to you really like what you're doing I'm glad we've had this call but at the moment we only work with uh, agencies that are on our PSL and I just want to sort of hear sort of how you would sort of navigate that or approach that conversation yeah um okay and the person that i'm speaking to do they are they like a decision maker yeah they're a decision maker yeah yeah Yeah. um i think with psls um i think you've got to kind of qualify what you mean by a psl because in some companies it can just be you're an approved supplier so once you've got the term sorted you're ready to go and you can crack on building the relationship so in some ways not a lot changes but then you get other PSLs where and this is what you need to understand so I'd ask you know when you say PSL what's involved how many agencies are on it 
how many agencies would you give a particular job to and you're trying to understand um, what type of structure is it is it some kind of faceless entity where you submit cvs and you, you you hear back in a couple of weeks and there's no kind of human contact or is it one where you can have regular contact and you can build up a relationship um i work exclusively with i'd say 90 percent of my customers so if there is an opportunity to work exclusively i'll always pursue it but if it's just me versus 20 other agencies i, I, I that's not my ideal customer and i and i would say to them pretty much that i would say that i wouldn't be doing you a service by um by going into that type of setup but if you're willing to kind of consider a two-week exclusivity period i can really show you what i can do and i'd give them examples of other companies that i've helped i'd also understand what their pain points are what they've struggled with um what do they struggle with? Where do they typically get people from? What companies do they like to see people from? And if I think I can help them with the pain points, then I'll say, look, this is what I can do for you. I can let you know anytime I headhunt someone from that company. And as a minimum, I would want to I would want to leave that call with either a meeting or another call booked in. But ideally, I'd want to just get terms sorted um, or at least agree that I can call them back with any candidates that they've said that they they'd like to see. So yeah, I'd probably go nice. from it from that angle. But I would yeah. never be afraid of walking away if it's not conducive with with what, you know, how I work and what I'm good at. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. I think, yeah, it's it's I guess the advice there is, yeah, don't assume that you understand what their PSO is. Obviously, it's a common phrase. So one, let's make sure you understand that. And then two, what questions are you asking them to understand what challenges and pain points that they have that you could add value around? Yeah, that that that's great. So Final question is, so a real, a real sort of popular area that a lot of recruiters in inside the community want um, help with is sort of time management and prioritization. So, so my last question is around that. So I want to sort of, you can use what, share what you do now or maybe what you did when um, you was in a, a billing role or when you was working at S3, but so what, what non-negotiable do you live by each day that you feel has a sort of real impacts on your productivity and, and helps you maximize each day in recruitment okay so something i do within my day like my day plan that yeah that so just something that you live by basically that you think really yeah. has helped you remain productive yeah um the number one thing that i do is no matter how busy i am or no matter how many projects i've got on i will always invest time in headhunting exceptional engineers um, because the idea is that I want to get to the point where when I have a, somebody call me and say, I need this person, I already know who to recommend. And the person mm. that I recommend is someone that I've already qualified, I've got trust with. And I want to be able to pass that trust on to the to the client so that they don't drop out, they turn up for interview, they don't drop out after six months. So no matter how busy I am, it's building my network. Um, it's building my network of headhunter candidates. But that would be no good in itself. I always make sure that I build my contacts as well um, because there's no point having um, headhunted candidates if I've got no one to go to take them to. Do you know what I mean? No businesses yeah. to take them to. Um, and I remember as a consultant, I would add like 150 contacts a month. Wow. Um, you know, it is so important that you can't do this job if you don't know who you're actually approaching. Um, so you know, even in the days of GDPR, you know, you've got to be, re you know, 
you've got to add the person as a contact phone them get permission and really kind of try to understand what what it is they they, they hire so yeah I'd say that's my non-negotiable yeah so what what you said there is you're sort of because it's I think it's two parts isn't it it's what I hear from recruiters a lot is there's so much going on I'm unsure what to prioritize that can help yeah. me achieve the results that I want so what you're saying there time and time again throughout your career when you've prioritized yeah building relationships getting well getting contacts candidate and making sure you're always making time to build your candidate pool that yeah. that's paid dividends so I guess just the final part to them what what's your sort of framework or process to make sure like you said regardless of how busy I am like I think the next part then is okay well how do you make sure that you do make time for that what's your sort of framework for that out of interest yeah um so on a very okay just to, on a simple level in the morning I would do all my urgent work so that would be interviewing candidates for live projects and then speaking to the companies um to to speak to them about those candidates so it's kind of urgent stuff in the morning and then in the afternoon it's my more strategic uh, business development so it's business development every afternoon based on it could be selling in a really strong candidate that you've got it could be um selling into some target companies that you'd really like to develop and, and develop a relationship with so am is urgent pm is more strategic and long term nice and then do you review what fills up that strategic time at the end of each week monthly is that something that you do or um yes i do i always do a day plan and a week plan and i always have a little time to review over the month but typically it it would just be who are my best candidates and and selling them in but it's also staying on top of um, clients that i've not spoken to for you know a couple of months and making sure that you're you're having that second that third that fourth conversation with a customer because you're not going to speak to someone and then suddenly get a load of business you really need to invest in that relationship it could be 10 times that you call them but each time you add into the the picture of what they hire and what they struggle with so yeah no matter how busy I am it's making time for um, business development yeah amazing Liz thank you for sharing that that was 50 minutes of a mentor thank you thanks for having me